BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Today, we're going to bring you two stories about California history. We begin in the city of Richmond, where a museum has saved a historic mural from being forgotten in a basement. KQED's Raquel Maria Dillon brings us the story. Melinda McCrary runs the Richmond Museum of Art, History, and Culture. She told me about a lost mural called Richmond, Industrial City. It showed the docks, refineries, oil tanks, golden hills, and the people of the time. Cannery workers, longshoremen, shoppers, and a man reading a newspaper with Hitler's photo on the front page. Technically, it was lost. Nobody knew where it was, and it ended up on an endangered mural registry through Temple University. McCrary had to convince a janitor to unlock the post office basement and help her hunt down the mural, then negotiate so the museum could officially borrow and restore it. Then came the fundraising. It took her four years to raise the $45,000 to restore the canvas. She talked up the mural so much that when Maya Colbert came looking for an internship, it was all she heard about. And I was like, that's cool, but like, do you need like help with the filing or something? Like, I don't see a mural. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Six years later, Colbert is now the museum educator here, and the work is ready for the public to see how much Richmond has changed since 1941. The standard for casual wear is so much different. Like, even the longshoremen are wearing like dress pants with like buttoned up shirts and tucked in with belts. The same with the women who are just kind of picking up peaches. They're wearing high-heeled shoes and dresses, and that is not what I wear to, like, run out to the grocery store. She's quick to point out the mural features mostly white people. There's just one Black man. And for public murals from the Works Progress Administration, that is a rarity. He is not doing sort of the more traditional roles that you see Black people depicted as doing in these sorts of murals from this era. He's not picking cotton. He's not being subservient. He is negotiating and he is standing shoulder to shoulder with white men, which, of course, it's very symbolic. Like, of course, it doesn't mean that everything in 1941 was amazing. Colbert's job is to teach Richmond's school kids about history through a mural that's probably older than their grandparents. She'll ask them to think about how it might look if it were painted today. What are the places that are important to you? Who are the important people? What are the what are the types of people that we're seeing? It would be really interesting to see, like, what people would come up with that could be representative of our city today. To Colbert and McCrary, this mural is a treasure because it's a teaching tool, a window into local history, and a point of pride for a tiny, scrappy museum in this corner of the Bay Area. For the California Report, I'm Raquel Maria Dillon in Richmond. 
Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. And Paint Care, now with 770 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org. Musicians and other performing artists have been hit hard by the pandemic as performance venues remain shuttered with no opening in sight. KPCC's Austin Cross brings us a story of a government program from the Great Depression that kept musicians working through another financial crisis in our country's history. America in the late 1920s was much like America in early 2020. The stock market was up and unemployment hovered around 4%. The country's rosy outlook was reflected in its music. Let's misbehave. But toward the end of the decade, everything changed. 1929, the financial house of cards collapses, and the overinflated stock market plunges into a Great Depression. A financial panic grips the world. Film reels showed a changing America, and musicians told its story. Brother, can you spare a dime? Depression hit the country hard, but it hit musicians harder. With no concerts to play, many fell into poverty. But in March 1933, Congress passed a series of reforms aimed at pulling America out of the Depression. It was called the New Deal, which soon gave rise to the Works Progress Administration, or WPA. But the program wasn't just for laborers. It also established the Federal Music Project. The primary goal was simply to put professional musicians back to work. Peter Goff teaches history at Sacramento State and is author of the book Sounds of the New Deal, the Federal Music Project in the West. The music program enjoyed bipartisan support. Even conservative newspapers critical of the New Deal approved. There were several articles that said, look, we don't like all this WPA boondoggling, but this federal music project, it's a good thing. We need to keep that. Public concerts were subsidized by the federal government. The circuit included venues across California, from San Francisco to Long Beach and L.A.'s Hollywood Bowl. Musicians were given a regular paycheck. Black and white artists were paid the same wages. At this time, it is our pleasure to present the Los Angeles Colored Chorus, now a modern song based on a spiritual theme, Great Day. By the time the program was defunded in 1943, over a quarter of a million concerts had been performed, more than 7,300 works composed, many now forgotten. As the country stares down another economic whirlwind, musicians face the months ahead with none of the assurances afforded their forebearers. Even before the pandemic, performers faced instability under the state contractor law AB5. Today, unemployment insurance and pandemic unemployment assistance can help make up for some lost earnings, but all of those programs come with significant hang-ups. Given all this, one might wonder if musicians would benefit again from a program like the Federal Music Project. Peter Goff says yes. Back in the 1930s and early 1940s, the Federal Music Project was actually performing on the radio. Four shut-ins was the term they used then, people who couldn't leave their home, which includes most of our citizenry today. So I think now, given the situation we have, and there are so many artists, and especially musicians, who were playing in venues that people can no longer attend, it should definitely be a consideration. If not for morale, then maybe 
for posterity. For the California Report, I'm Austin Cross in Los Angeles. Three little letters that make life okay. And that is the California Report for this Friday, December 25th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with additional engineering from Jim Bennett and Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Alice Wolfley, and Holly J. McDeed. Our editor is Angela Corral. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you so much for listening, and Merry Christmas. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! <laughs>